This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey everyone, it's a special bonus edition of the Winning Plays Podcast. My name is Brian Robb, and for this episode, we're actually going to go to a segment I had with Sean Silver of 98.5 The Sports Sub, where we are reacting to what's happened in Game 3 of the Celtics Net Series, as well as the fallout of what's gone on this year for the Celtics with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, the Kyrie Irving situation in Brooklyn, Ben Simmons. We kind of hit on it all over an hour plus here. So you can listen to everything here to help you get ready for game four on Monday night. And um, we'll be back with reaction post game four um, later this week on Tuesday or Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, thanks a lot to Sean for having me on and enjoy the listen. 98.5 The Sports Sub, Sean Silver with you on a Sunday. Brian Robb of uh, Mass Live, the Winning Plays podcast. I'll shout them all out uh, here as uh, B-Rob is, is the ultimate to have alongside to talk about a, a great Celtics win. 109-103 last night over the Nets. Take a commanding 3-0 series lead. We got Tracy Clements doing the thing behind the glass, as they say, and uh, keeping us on the air and, and keeping the... Uh, keeping everything running smoothly so I don't get nervous because uh, usually this spot is occupied by somebody else. It was Arcan's Sunday service for a long time, if, if we recall. Now Arcan's more of a Saturday guy. I don't know if he uh, you know, switched religious affiliations or what's going on over there, uh, but that's okay. Arcan may be having a big weekend. That's right. Maybe I, I was with him Friday night. Okay, he is? He had um, Oh, yeah, because of, of the baby. But wasn't he doing like a Saturday service or something for a little while that he moved back to Sundays his services are flexible I believe services are flexible I believe McCarthy was supposed to be here non-denominational exactly. there we Perfect go Tracy. non-denominational and uh you know you, you have a break glass in case of emergency moment and it's like oh silver's there silver's there we'll, we'll see how we're doing we'll get we'll get b-rob in everything will be okay and hopefully it's okay with you again uh 617-779-0985 if you want to join in Log in and check. Do we have any calls? I don't know. I check the call screen. For God's we sake. do, but I can't get the call screen. Oh <laughs> boy! Yeah, it's it's like that. I sat down, like my mic wasn't working, but we're fine. We're fine because we're in a good mood. And you know, to hear Jalen Brown there talking about that, we t- we did Tatum in the first segment, but Jalen, um, you know, he's not gonna maybe win the uh, the the sort of lavish praise that Jason Tatum gets. But he's had a huge role uh, in this series on both sides of the ball. And, you know, Tatum scored 14 in the fourth last night, but Jalen had nine, um, you know, which if you project that out, that would have been a 36-point game. Finished with 23 overall. You know, the two of those guys go over 60 points. You usually got a pretty good pretty good chance of winning the game. And uh, Jalen Brown as well, um, you know, Riding into that superstar status and and the rest of the team just executing. Like, it's so different. I was so depressed coming in here on weekends and working some of those games. And, and I don't know, maybe I don't know how you felt back when the Celtics were coughing up big leads. They had this dismal record in games decided by five points or less. It's like the new year hit. They kind of got their legs under them. Everything that Udoka was preaching in training camp, you know, we're going to – our defense is going to come first. 
We're going to have you know transition ball. We're going to go defense leading to offense. 37 points last night off of turnovers. Just everything that he said they were going to do, they are doing now, and they've fully embraced the message, and they're going for it. It's, uh, it's just it's so refreshing to see the Celtics buying in to the new coach and just totally teeing off on what other people see are these fearsome teams that might knock them from their pedestal. Yeah, I mean, and Jalen Brown in the fourth quarter in this series has just been an absolute monster. And he, he like, you, like you said, Sean, he won't get the, the acclaim that Tatum has gotten um, just because from the number standpoint, but we all, like, he was as crucial as anyone in game one in that final minute comeback. And then you look at last night, the Nets turn, they dust off good old Blake Griffin in that fourth quarter. Again. Yeah, wow. But like, just Steve Nash, really desperate times. And to, to Blake's credit, he had a couple threes, mm-hmm. but you could just see Jalen Brown's eyes just widen offensively. Like, ooh, what do we have here? I get to isolate against Blake Griffin. And Jason Tatum had gone cold by that point for a little bit, but it didn't yep. matter because Brown just went he was to, there. The, to the bucket time after time, got the put the Celtics in control, and and that was that. That was the game. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the thing about Jalen I've always loved. You know, he, he finds a way to get to the basket, and it was something that the Celtics weren't doing enough last year. They kind of became a jump-shooting team, and at points of this year, you know, people kind of worried, like, with Udoka shortening the rotation – and with the, you know, maxing out the effort on defense and trying to get out in transition and trying to, you know, bowl the ball to the basket and, and get free throws, like, those are all parts of a, of a winning team, right? But everyone was so worried that the Celtics were going to burn out. And, you yeah. know, again, we're not to the, the finish line here. There's, there's still a chance that something had happened. You just got a guy back in Rob Williams who has been very fragile in his career, and you're hoping – uh, that you know he can continue to be healthy here after a nice little showing yesterday, but they just they've really started doing all the little things, and I, I can't find too many things to gripe about now when I watch a Celtics game, except you know there's the occasional Marcus Smart three where you know muscle memory just kicks in. You go no, <laughs> yes, but you know I I forget what he finished for the game uh, last night, but at least in the first half he was he was making them and was a big part of. I don't know. I just felt like they controlled that game. They, they, there was never a loss of control where it was like the other team's going on a run. The counterpunches were there yeah. every single time where the Nets, they'd close it to two or three points. And Smart was probably bigger than anyone at the end of that third quarter when oh, in that last yes. minute. I think, honestly, that might have been the game right there, Sean. When it was, I think the Nets had cut it to three, and Smart comes down. He beats old friend Kyrie Irving on the offensive glass, sneaks by him, mm-hmm. gets two. Next time down, steal, pull up three for the perfect two for one, and then Jalen Brown closes out the quarter with a steal and a dunk. 7-0 run, Nets just absolutely demoralized, and they weren't really able to, to climb back into it, at least threatened seriously after that run. Yeah, after watching so many games in the first half of the season where it felt like things would slip away in the third quarter, to see that sort of response and to see the resolve in you know getting a – a key defensive stop leading to a last-second win in Game 1 or a comeback win, you know, or in uh, in Game 2. And then this one was close, and they just rolled. It's Each game has been a little bit different in how the, the second half has played out, but there have always been opportunities for the other team to 
you know, go on a run to, to leave the Celtics in their dust, and the Celtics have just not yielded, and they've instead turned around and done it themselves. Uh, it's it's just it's really cool, and we spent the second half kind of looking at, you know, they were having impressive blowout win after impressive blowout win. Some of the close games I was trying to look at, like the Dallas game, and you know, mm-hmm. you had the KG thing that day, and it was clear that like Tatum was pressing to like, you know, show out for all the big names that were in the building. Like that was very clear, um, you know. But that was a, that was a close one that they lost. There was the the Miami game that they lost, and it was like, uh, you know, I. I don't know if I'm really comfortable with this team as closers, even though they're going on a really great run record-wise. As those examples start to pile up of them having success, it just makes you feel more and more confident. Absolutely. And because during that second half of the season turnaround, those games you mentioned, where they were close at the end, they were few and far between. So there just weren't many opportunities for them to get tests in those spots. And you already mentioned the games where when it did come up, there were those are the times they lost. Yeah. And so we know in the postseason you're not going to blow out teams by 20, 30 every night. And Brooklyn made this series a lot more interesting at the start than a lot of people thought they would locally. And whether that game one was just a – obviously it was a clear turning point, but how much confidence that gave them to be able to say, hey, we you know, pulled ourselves off the mat. We rallied from three down in the final minute against a couple of future Hall of Famers. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that could propel them and will be incredibly useful – next round against what I assume would be the Milwaukee Bucks. Right, and we're going to look at that road ahead. I mean, the growing confidence is, is just, it's so big. Because, you know, like I was listening to Jones. He was in midday on Friday. And, you know, Jones, Poor Jones. Made, a, Jones made a very good point. He was, it was like, you know, like it, it's not like the, the Nets could have easily won game one and game two, but they could have. Oh, yeah. It was on the table for them, and they didn't. And, you know, like I would think a, a previous Celtics team, maybe last year or, or the – maybe the bubble year, I don't know, a a less mature, a less together Celtics team might have had the game one win and thought like, oh, great. Think of Milwaukee in 2019. You win game one of that series, Paul Pierce is saying it's over (laughs) after one game, and then they get swept out of the building. But the Celtics instead won game one and used that as fuel to follow up and win game two in a different fashion and then win game three in a different fashion from that. All of them impressive. There's been no letdown. It's just – I'm psyched, and I, 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 I try not to look around and 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 see what's what's coming down the pipe. But it's uh, you're coming into a playoffs here where no team looks like a clear cut favorite. No, and uh, you're right there. It's it's pretty fun. Um, do we still have Joe Tracy? Okay, can uh, let's bring up Joe here. Uh, he's got a comment on Durant and Irving, and this is where I want to take the conversation next. So, Joe, how you doing today? Good. How are you? I'll be brief. Sorry, walking the dog here. Sure. Um, hey, we all got to do it. <laughs> I just want to talk about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I, you know, Kevin Durant is getting what he richly deserves. And if he should be irritated, he shouldn't be irritated with Kyrie but himself because he hitched his wagon to a guy who missed a bulk of the games this season due to not getting the vaccination, then decides to do the Ramadan, which I can respect. But yep. you're in the playoffs right he now. He to do it. He, you know, this – they're not gelling, and you know how they're not gelling is because they didn't have an opportunity to play together. I mean, if he's irritated, he should be irritated at Kyrie, but more of himself. I mean, you hit your wagon to this guy, this is what you get. He bailed on Boston this last season, and, you know, he's going to mail it in again. It's just it's just, he's richly getting what he deserves. I just wanted to touch on that, you know. I mean, I just, I'm enjoying seeing the collapse of Brooklyn, you know. They flaunted during the, you know, during the All-Star break. 
wanting to get together. So, you know, what comes around goes around, and I'm enjoying the karma. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, thank you, Joe. And, I mean, that's certainly the mentality around here. You know, you look at it from a national lens, B-Rob, do you think that a lot of the, the folks out there are looking at Durant and there's always legacy talk and this and that and and just kind of saying it's easy for a Bostonian to say, oh, the Nets, they're no good. They got that dirty bum Kyrie. But, uh, you know, when you, you kind of go out and take the 10,000-foot view, is it is this, like, really damaging to that conversation for Kevin Durant? You have to at this point. I mean, look at it, the three years they've been together in Brooklyn right now. Year one was a wash since Durant was hurt, and they knew that going in, but Kyrie kind of gee up on that team halfway in regardless and got Kenny Atkinson fired. Yeah. Yeah. A good coach. Like, canned. Canned. They had, like, a lot of emerging young talent there that they cashed in on for James Harden last year. Last year was their chance, and Kyrie got hurt in the postseason, which has happened a lot in his career, which he's always had durability, which is mm-hmm. one of the biggest knocks on him. And then this year, Joe covered it. The Like, Hearing Kyrie talk out of both sides of his mouth, be like, oh, I wonder why can't we gel like the, the Celtics? Like, how can we make up for this time since October? Things haven't gone well. Like, well, I can think of a pretty big reason why uh, you have, weren't able to gel well with your teammates. Maybe it involves you not being able to play more than half the season and being gone, period. And do you think, Sean, like, do you feel like Harden is still there if Kyrie was able to play this season normally? Because I think he is. Like, yeah. I, don't, I think that led to just this entire blow up that we've seen. It's it, oh man, that's that's a good one. As my mic has moved, it's dancing on me over here. I want to get into the situation in Brooklyn before we say bye bye to them. Hopefully Monday night, uh, we might, at least might as well uh, get into you know a little bit about the team that we're still playing for a couple more days, or something like that. Six one seven 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 nine zero ninety eight five. If you want to join Sean Silver, Brian Rob, Tracy Clements, hanging out on a Sunday. We'll be back with you on ninety eight five The Sports Zone. Boston's home for sports, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Relatable, reliable, and even relentless at times. This is Boston's home for sports, 98.5 The Sports Hub. In terms of our spirit, I think being in the in what we call the trenches or being in a series like this with guys that, you know, we, we're all just trying to gel. And, and usually you're gelling around the right time, and that team in the other locker room is gelling at the right time. They've been gelling since Christmas. So for us, we, we're, we're just in a, in a new experience as a group, and, and we just got to respect that and just, you know, bring everything we can to this next game and, and just do one possession at a time. You know, I don't want to be too cliche, but I don't have a lot of answers for how you make up time you know from october until now yeah so b rob you wrote about this at mass lab mass live Kyrie's comments after the game last night uh it <laughs> it's great self-awareness by Kyrie. he just he he hasn't his demeanor after game one was like, come at me. Mm-hmm. And then it, it changed after game two. At game three, it's, it seems like resignation, uh, disowning the situation. I mean, how would you classify uh, what came out of his mouth last night? Because there was some talk of Cleveland in 2016. There's oh, man, lots of stuff going on. It's, yeah, I, I think you know. I think disowning was to like, like I said, stage one, game one was like, hey, bring it. Game two was like, I thought he was – going to demand a trade to the Celtics with the way he was talking about them saying this is their time even though you're you're like Harry you're in a series against this team right now you have the ability to stop them from saying that this is their championship window now 
and now just refusing on top of saying, yeah, I don't know why this team isn't joining like the Celtics. It's like, it's hard. I don't know how you, how you get around that. And on top of that, like, Oh, I've, you've rallied from three Oh three one in the 2016 NBA finals. Kyrie, tell us about that and how it relates to this. I can't do that. I can't compare a comeback like that to this team. Just being like, this is, I, I'm not going to disrespect those guys. But like, what? These Kevin Durant is not worthy of comparing to LeBron James. Like, what, do, a, what are you trying to say, Kyrie? It's a disservice to Richard Jefferson, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I just, oh man. And it, it, Arkan and I were talking about it. I mean, Kyrie Irving, you know, probably by pro basketball Hall of Fame standards, right? He's like setting himself up to be in in Springfield. I Probably, Probably. I, maybe he needs a little, a little bit more. I mean, he's a champion. He's been, uh, you know, an all-star a bunch of times. But like, you know, he came in the league. He was on that rebuilding team. They were bad. It wasn't his fault. He still put up good numbers. LeBron comes back. They win a title. He hits that key shot. But really, since then, at 2017, his playoff run was good, uh, despite the fact that they lost. But he's really been living off that shot. Yes, since 2016. I mean, you think about what he did here. He didn't play during that miracle run in 2018, 2019. He played some of the worst basketball of his career in that Buck series. And uh, what, 2020 was injured? Yeah, yep. shut, it, shut it down. Shut it like, down Yep. because Durant wasn't playing. Right. So he was like, why do I need to play? And then last year he actually got injured. It wasn't a faux injury. And then this year you get the whole vaccination saga, whatever. And uh, it leading into this where – he talks about the Celtics gelling as if like this team has been together for like half a decade. There's three players on the team who were there when he was there, who have been there the entire time. Smart Brown and Tatum. You brought back Al, you brought back Tice. Sure. But this is not the same team. This isn't like some bubbling under thing. Like the Warriors were, you know, when they had Mark Jackson and David Lee was still there and then they had to make some tweaks and then they were ready. This is kind of all happened really quickly. For the Boston Celtics. And he's just totally characterizing it the way that he wants to characterize it because he's going to write the Kyrie narrative. I mean, this is a guy who's got a Hollywood experience, right? So he's, you know, he's going to write the script the way that he wants to write it. Uncle Drew with his pen sitting down. Oh, man, it's it's just, it's it's like I can't wait to be rid of him because he's exhausting. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, when Taylor Swift sings, we're never ever getting back together. She just wants to be done with that guy. But at the same time, it is fodder for the lyrics that she writes. Much like you writing about Kyrie last night, it, it's just such a blessing to have this guy open his mouth. It's the gift that keeps giving <laughs> <laughs> from that standpoint. Yes. And I, I definitely don't miss covering it for 82 games. It was exhausting from a beat writer perspective back then. Oh, yeah. Like oh. night after night, you're just like, you'd go back and you're like, what did he say? Like, what was he talking about here? Huh? Um. But now, over the course of you know, just the, seeing the the road map he goes on over the course of this series, and all the stuff he hits, and just how he tries to tailor it to himself with a complete lack of self awareness or accountability, it's um, it's fun to watch. It's fun to it's fun to write about. Celtics Hub, Boston.com, Boston Sports Journal, Mass Live. You can fill in other blanks. What was in recent memory? What was the season that like bummed you out the most? Just you know, I, I know I'm taking you kind oh, of for the, from the Celtics standpoint. Yeah. Oof, was Kyrie involved? Yeah, or I mean, you, like- you got you got to do 2018, 19. Yeah, I mean that that whole season was just an utter disaster from almost the start. 
if they just came out of the gate really slow. You could hear in Brad Stevens' tone, even in like preseason games, it's like we got a lot to work to do. Yeah. And Kyrie's like, "Don't worry, I got this." It's, I mean, like, wait till the postseason. And then we wait till the postseason, and he fell on his face for four straight games. Gonna flip that switch, and and like I believed it. I believed the plane ride was something. You know, <laughs> <Plane> like <ride. laughs> I just, I just, I really wanted. I every all the pieces were there. Like that team had the talent. And uh, I, I would submit that, given the way that the East played out in 2020, if they still had Al Horford, that would have been a finals team Yeah. Uh, the, the next year. But, you know, alas, it wasn't to be. But that's the difference between what we're seeing right now. And, again, we're not, we're not, we're not at the end of the road, like boys no. to men. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're still on the journey here. But those teams, you just you wished for something because you saw it on paper. This team, it's like they have it. Well, and I'll ask you this. Could this Celtics team – be what it is with Kyrie Irving still on the roster and I say no because you can't play Ime Udoka's defensive system no with Kyrie out there for 40 minutes a game it would be a disaster we've yeah. seen it for especially in the postseason we're seeing it in this series right now we've seen it for years when he doesn't have you know an amazing defense around him to protect him it would help it would still be a great defense but it wouldn't be this good and so in a way now it's so hard to think now but like, if the Celtics continue this run and somehow get to the finals here, again, a long way to go. But in terms of their long-term trajectory, I think the possibilities of what this roster can become, the upside is almost better without Kyrie in the picture and all the all the baggage he, he brings. Yeah, because, again, and, and I love this. I mean, this is homegrown. Like, this is the approach that I wanted all the time. Back in 2018, right? So I, I'm writing for the Sports Hub website. I write a thing about why the Celtics should not trade for LeBron or sign LeBron or whatever when LeBron was a thing and people were going out there trying to court him. And a bunch of people picked it up, you know, like Deadspin kicked me around a little bit. It was just like, oh, great, you know, this is good. I'm getting some attention for my quote-unquote hot take. But really, I just didn't want LeBron and the Celtics. And it, I wanted them to be a team that I could get to know, watch grow, you know, maybe raise my kid on a little bit. Like, these are some players that we can expect to see here. You know, we, we have a, a real kinship with them. Like, this is the ultimate goal. Again, I will keep saying this. I'm not going to come on here and get yelled at and called green teamer because I'm praising the Celtics right now, and they haven't actually ac accomplished the ultimate goal. I think there is some reason to say that we really like what we're seeing here. And it's it's just – it's – it's fun for me to to have it go this way, particularly when everyone was was naysaying, you know, that the, this wasn't the approach or the Celtics needed that third star. You know, like all of the conventional NBA stuff, they need to build a super team. They need to bring in a name. This is, I don't know, kind of the method to Ainge's madness, Stevens's madness, now Ime Odoka's madness. It's it actually proved positive here. It's... I think from a, I think that's why the, the fan base is that excited about this group. From they've really rallied around them since January quickly. I feel yeah. like once they started showing the signs of being like, "Whoa, what is going on here?" Like offensively, the ball movement, everyone like sacrificing for a good shot for a great shot, and then defensively, they're kind of there all year long. But when when you have that buy-in with, like I said, like a kind of a homegrown core, if you will, I think that's you know, the the Smarts, the Tatum's, the Browns, yeah, like that. I think just 
raises the the enthusiasm level even higher. Yeah, even a guy like Tice coming back, like or people kind of poo pooed that Harford. trade. You know, found yeah. Well, the, you know me, B Rob. That's <laughs> I was I was waving the banner when he uh, when he came back, and it you know it's nice to to have a, a a take or whatever an opinion that you held look good at the time. But I'll take it for now. And I mean, Al Horford's numbers weren't eye popping last night. Uh, but he's been huge in this series. I mean, Tice has contributed in ways in this series. And, and you just look at that and what the Celtics are doing. And, like, all of the things that we like about this team are the same things that we liked about the Bridgies, right? The hustle, the some of the things that you just enumerated, like trying to find the best shot, you know, just busting your ass defensively. Only now, like, there's more top-end talent right. than the Bridgies ever had. So this this is this is the goal, man. This is where we're at, and you contrast that with Brooklyn. You contrast the as Joe Joe the the caller brought up last segment. Kevin Durant, you know this is they followed the blueprint. We're gonna go as you said. We're gonna get the coach fired. We're gonna get a guy in Steve Nash in here who isn't a great tactician, but he speaks our language, right? He knows what it's like to to perform at a high level. Um, and we're gonna bring in all these veterans. Yeah, looking at like Patty Mills getting crossed up last night, or um, you know Blake Griffin getting exposed defensively. All I could think of was like the 2013 Celtics. Mm. Remember when they were just like real old, and it was like, oh, we'll bring in Jason Terry, and it was just we're just gonna have this old crusty roster, and maybe something will happen. Sign Troy Murphy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, that's what the Nets are. They're just they're a bunch of names. They're guys you might recognize. You know, if you have watched NBA basketball casually. You know, maybe they popped up on All-Star Weekend over the years. Maybe you had him on your fantasy basketball team. But it's a guy like Bruce Brown last night who is not any of those things and winds up scoring 26 while Kevin Durant has, what, five turnovers? Um, they combine him and, and Kyrie for six points in the fourth quarter. Like, this is what you have wrought. This is what you got. And frankly, it it stinks. It's <laughs> it's and it's it's just too bad for those. And Kevin DeGrant's probably one of the five greatest scorers that I've ever you know been at TD Garden to watch. You know, but he looks tired. He yeah. just looks tired. He looks out of sorts. And Ben Simmons is coming to the rescue. Don't worry. In Game Four, but I I have a feeling Sean, this is going to be a little too little too late. Um, for and I mean who knows? Maybe they say you know what Ben, we'll see you next season. Like don't we just. We're not going. We don't. That's. We don't want to subject you to this at this point. Yeah, that's what I would do. I mean, why does Ben Simmons need to experience this trauma? Hopefully, it is that way. Hopefully, Munder is traumatic for the Brooklyn Nets and the and the Celtics can sweep this, get some sweet time off, and uh, give give Rob Williams a little bit more time. I want to get into to Rob and his performance last night. I want to talk about the bench. You know, these are things that us hardcore hoop heads are uh, excited about. The contributions up and down the roster. And uh, I want to take calls from you because I see you guys lining up. So the 11 o'clock hour here with Sean Silver, Brian Robb, talking C's. We'll, uh, we'll unload the, uh, the phone lines and uh, keep going here as we're on a real high on a Sunday morning on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Boston's home for sports. 98.5 The Sports Hub. We've got Boston sports cover coming and going. 98.5 The Sports Hub. Celtic fans rise to their feet as Rob Williams makes his return. 27 days removed from the injury late season. Drummond driving on Rob Williams. Oh. He stays with him and blocks the shot. Welcome back, Time Lord. Rob Williams, and there's the lob we've been waiting for. Woo. 
That was right over Drummond on his little bitty head. Well, and the Nets who struggled defensively all year are coming apart at the seams right now. Ninety-eight by the sports sub. It's a Sunday. It's not Christian Arcan's voice. This is not Matt McCarthy's voice. You go down the roster. You look for that diamond in the rough, and you don't even get a diamond. You don't even get gold. You wind up settling for silver. And, you know, six years ago, seven years ago, when I uh, asked my wife to marry me, I probably was working out the same sentiment. It is okay, honey, to settle for silver. And that's what you're getting here <laughs> on 98.5 The Sports Hub on a Sunday till 1. Sean Silver in the, uh, in the chair here alongside Brian Robb of uh, Mass Live. Got Tracy Clements behind the glass running a flawless program to this point. We are just going to do flawless radio here. And if you want to get in touch with us, I see the calls lining up. We're going to get to you right away. 617-779-0985. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at the Silver Fox, Silver with a Y. B-Rob is at Brian T. Rob. Rob has two Bs. Spelling is important, particularly when you, you know, have names that are maybe not exactly phonetically. You ever get a piece of mail that says, you know, Brian Rob with just one B? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just people who think my first name's Rob, that gets confusing people, oh. too. Oh. Yeah, you, you don't look like a Rob yeah. to me. You just <laughs> you look like a Rob, you know, surname-wise, but not a first name Rob. Also, if you were Rob Rob, that would be very unfortunate. Robert Rob. Robert Rob. You got any Rob Robs in your family? No, not okay. yet. All right. There's still t- we're still <laughs> way on that one. Let's say. Let's say. Yeah, there's lots of puns you can make for silver. I went through it for many years, uh, obviously, as a child. Uh, hopefully, we're past that. If you want to call and uh, make fun of my name, please go ahead. 617-779-0985. Celtics are up 3 nothing. I could care less if you make fun of me. Um, we've been talking about a, a variety of things from last night's game. Uh, kind of the way the Celtics have been doing over the past, uh, I don't know, three months plus, four months at this point where it's stretching. Uh, we're just, we really like the things that we're seeing on the court. We've been talking about how we don't like the things that we're seeing on the court from the Brooklyn Nets. I still am tempted to call them the New Jersey Nets. In fact, I saw my father yesterday and he was like, yeah, that game in New Jersey, we'll see how the fans are doing tonight. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if there's any fans doing anything in New Jersey tonight, uh, unless the Devils had a game. Uh, with uh, Putty there from Seinfeld. Mm. But uh, either either way, a big win for the Seas, and uh, we're, we're happy to talk about all that. B-Rob, Rob Williams was back in effect last night. Um, what'd you think? Just real open-ended uh, <laughs> question here. What'd you think in the 16 minutes that you saw of the Time Lord? He looked like himself. I mean, it was only 15 minutes, but if if you're a Time Lord, Sean, I feel like you're, you, you have, you have the, the check boxes you need to hit. To say like, okay, I'm I'm back, I'm ready to go. It was like alley oop, lob, yep. check, uh, impressive block, check. Yeah, packed and, it right off the back. Exactly, with Drummond. With Drummond, and so and, and that was that. And it was almost a perk scenario because like, okay, he did that, and the Celtics. It was a low leverage like situation for him in the standpoint that the Celtics are up two zero in this series. You didn't you didn't need him back, so that kind of give you confidence that like, okay, he's ready to go here. They weren't like rushing him in because they. We're worried about losing the series. I was like, no, get the rust off now. We'll bring you off the bench. You'll we'll work your way up. And now he'll potentially have another week, week plus off here. But if they take care of business on Monday night, getting ready for a, a far stiffer challenge, likely coming in in round two. 
Yeah, perfect scenario if you're bringing back Williams. You know, unlike the scenario that's proposed here with Ben Simmons, getting him back yeah. into a, I don't know what kind of leverage you can call it right now. It's <laughs> kind of like, save us, Ben Simmons, save us, you know, <laughs> like a Spider-Man or something. I, I, or That's Donovan Mitchell, but either way, um, you know, it, it just, it really worked out. Personally, I winced every time he jumped. Fair. Because uh, it's just like, how could you come back from that so quickly? You know, and as Celtics fans, we're kind of like, and I love Chris Middleton. I love Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, that would be a great Celtic. But um, you think about Rob and the M MCL surgery versus Chris Middleton now with an MCL strain, and we're kind of like, well, how long is it going to take with Chris Middleton? Is he going to be out three weeks, a month? You know, so It's just wild that Rob Williams can get back that quickly. Jeez, but apparently he followed the timeline, and here he is. Check, checked up Check all those the boxes. boxes. The yeah. training staff, you know, they had a plan. And we, we did hear this early on, Sean, like right after the surgery happened, there were so, those murmurings from Woj and other places saying like, hey, things went really well here. Like it might even be before this four to six weeks. And then Ime Adoka kind of played this close to the vest for the last week or so, saying, yeah, we're still not expecting to have him. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, well, he's going to Brooklyn. And guess what? Like he's playing. And so. A pleasant surprise of, of the many that we have received. Right? Very cool. Um, let's go to the phones here. Again, 617-779-0985 if you want to jump on. We'll uh, start with the uh, in the order that, that we have people here. So let's go to Frank in Marshfield uh, on this fine Sunday morning. Frank, how you doing? Welcome to the Sports Zone. Not hearing Frank. Tracy, is there any chance you could bring Frank up? I'll put him back on hold. Okay, thank you. Um, maybe we'll try Chris and Lowell. Chris with a uh, a bold prediction, perhaps. Chris, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Hey, thanks, man. All right, so I've been saying this from the from the start. I already said when we're going to go to Brooklyn first series. I said it. it's going to be a sweep. They just don't have that extra push. Brooklyn just don't have it. That like Steve Nash is not a coach. He was a player. He's just not meant to be a coach. I don't see what you guys think about that. Thank we have you. found the one prognosticator out there, <laughs> B-Rob, who, who called the sweep, and it was Chris from Lowell. Uh, what, what's, Chris. Your re what's your reaction to his points there? Well, um, yeah, I mean, Kyrie, if you listen to Kyrie earlier this year, they didn't need a coach. So yeah. he, like, he, he's been a co-coach with Durant, and that's kind of how they've played, and it's gone about how we expected in this series. Now, not, not necessarily – um, a sweep, I like you said, not a lot of people were looking for that except for Chris, for Chris here, but there's just two, you just watch the two teams and how they operate and just having systems in place and on both ends of the floor. And Boston has it hammered in time in and time out with what Emi Odoka wants to do. And coaching-wise, Steve Nash didn't have the experience. Obviously, he had the playing experience to have the respect of guys like Kyrie mm -hmm. and the respect of Durant. But He's a legend. But from a X's and O's standpoint, I mean, is there anything you can even point out in this series, Sean, beyond going to Blake Griffin in the second half of that game where it's like, wow, Nash, Nash is trying something different here? Yeah, I mean, frankly, he doesn't have a lot of tools. And, you know, you look at the names. You look at, like, a Blake or you look at LaMarcus Aldridge or, you know, different guys that they had or, you know, have or have had on their roster. I mean, the big one to me, the standout is Joe Harris. Mm -hmm. 
Joe Harris solves a lot of problems for them uh, because he takes away that attention. I mean, he's no all-star, but he's good enough to at least keep you honest. And, you know, he's – again, he's not elite, but, uh, you know, he can dig in defensively a little bit too. He's, he's not just a guy who's a plain shooter out there. Like, Joe Harris does a lot of things for the Nets. Um, but, you know, even with Joe Harris, it's, it's just kind of like – would Nash be creative enough offensively? You know, here's a guy who his uh, his entire career was predicated on being an up-tempo, like, don't think about it. Just get down the court and find the first shot that, that comes to you. And he was talented enough to find those holes and, you know, uh, uh, keep the other keep the opposing defense off and, uh, honest as one of the greatest point guards of all time. But in terms of translating it to this, it, j- it just doesn't happen. I kind of feel bad for Steve Nash. I mean, I don't feel terribly bad for him. He's got a great hairline. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's got millions of dollars. He seems to be a big soccer fan and it w- was enjoying his retirement. I thought he was just going to keep, like, making documentaries yeah. and just kind of, you know, fade into Bolivian, as Mike Tyson would say, and just whatever. Just and he was ha- given this headache instead. What's that? Then he was pulled into this headache for the last two years. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> that was my initial reaction. Like, why did you come back, man? Like, can't, can't you just – it's like, I can't quit you. Oh, Should have talked to Brad Stevens about Kyrie Irving maybe before you, you took that job. Yeah. Now, and I don't know. Like, I mean, I agree with you. Like, he's pretty far down the list of, like, what went wrong for Brooklyn in this series. Right, right, exactly. But at the same time, um, he hasn't – help them yeah he's not able to to pivot from this and yeah the things that are going wrong Durant and Irving a combined uh, three for 14 in the first quarter or excuse me the fourth quarter the last couple of games we mentioned a combined six points in the fourth uh last night it's it's a combination and and Arcan because you know it's sports radio and you, you have to choose and not to call out Arcan but Arcan's like so what is it is it the Celtics defense is it something Durant's doing is you know whatever and I was like well it's kind of all three it's it's the the Celtics are you know defending Durant really well. He's gassed. He's maybe a little hurt, and he has no scheme to support him. So that's why the you know the big guns for the Nets have just been, I don't know, completely, completely absent for parts of this series. Exactly. And at this point, you wonder, especially with like Durant's age, that's something that kind of an overlooked thing in the series. Like he was out with a serious knee injury for yes. a couple months. Right. And then they came back. You're like, hey, Kevin, welcome back. I'm going to need you for about 40 minutes a night for the last two months of the season just to even get into the playoffs. And now you're going up against the best defense in the league with uh, lackluster supporting cast around you. Thanks a lot. Good luck. See ya. Yeah. And it, you might forget here because, you know, he went to, to Florida and won national championships there. But Al Horford has also a 15-year veteran like Kevin Durant. Yeah. And we talk about Al Horford and how, how he has to be cared for. You know, all the time. <laughs> so you throw it, throw in an injury there. Like, you know, I, I don't put this all at the feet of Kevin Durant. There's a, there's a lot of things that are attributing to this, and he's just getting beat up because he never won one on his own or, you know, whatever you want to talk about. I mean, he was fighting through a really tough Western Conference when he was in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook wasn't Russell Westbrook yet. They maybe had peak James Harden for one season there, and that was the season that they made the finals. Like, yeah, he went and tried to do it another way. He just chose – Wrong Very horse. poorly with this particular wrong one. horse. Wrong, <laughs> exactly. Let's uh, let's hit up the uh, the calls again. Uh, we got Frank back from Marshfield, so we'll go to Frank. Frank, how you doing this morning? Yes, good morning, guys. Hey, I was one of the last guys to believe in this this talent group uh, up until and even through Game One. 
they still needed to prove it to me. You know, they, they blew that 14-point lead in yep. game one. So I wasn't totally convinced, you know. Um, but definitely things have changed. And I think that one of the big differences is they're getting contributions from a lot more guys. And when the game tightened up last night, it went from 11 down to four or five or two or whatever it was. They hit big shots when they needed it. And it came from all over, Jalen Brown, Pritchard, Grant Williams. Everybody hit a shot when they needed to. And, and, mo- and some of that was uh, – a direct result of their defense. They got easy layups and dunks, and um, and that's been the big difference for me. And secondly, I sensed it last night, but I can almost guarantee it. Uh, Monday night, there's going to be some quit in the Nets. They're all done. I think it's going to be a sweep. Thank you. Thanks, Frank. And, yeah, I mean, if you – can you uh, – not asking you to prognosticate, Brian, but, you know, you've been covering the league for a lot of years. We've seen playoff series – come and go and and you you get to a certain point it seems like in the nba and you can just kind of point it out they're cooked and what's what's the stat 143 and oh yes like those are long odds i mean obviously we saw it here in a different sport with the red sox coming back on the yankees in 2004 i mean there have been three oh leads in in other sports um that have fallen by the wayside but you add up all the factors and it's uh they're, uh, the Nets are whack, they're twisted, and they are not coming back. Well, if you listen, Kyrie Irving doesn't even want to talk about it. Yeah. He doesn't want to talk about a 3-0 comeback after coming back from 3-1. It's, he doesn't want to even go there, John. So it's just going to go in and watch tape? Right. Just going to yeah. go watch tape. He's going to show up on Monday. He's going to, you know, he's going to get his timestamp in. And, um, and then he'll – I wonder if that, his, that plane trip is scheduled for him on Tuesday already to uh, parts unknown. Yeah. Hang out with the ultimate warrior. I wonder, like, I wonder if, what do you think? Do you think, like, 2019 Kyrie against the Bucks happens on Monday night where he shoots, oh. like, six for 15 and it's just ugly all around? I I don't think it gets that bad because you, like, you have your, in theory, your best friend on the team and Kevin Durant Yeah. at this point. You're not going to so sell him you're out. You're not going to sell him out like you did. That. But at the same time, it's like Kyrie was great buddies with Tatum on that team. So you, and, and obviously he has a very Dude, good guys. relationship with, He's, I mean, raving about everyone. He's even tight with Jalen Brown now, apparently, after those two butted heads in 2019 there. So, I don't know. At this point, he's already, you know, setting up the scapegoats. I don't know if you even heard him kind of take a shot at Steve Nash last night. He's like, yeah, Blake Griffin, I know you probably wanted to play a lot more in this series, and he gave us a lot last night. It's like, okay, right, man. Like, shot. Right. So, but I would I, – I'm not – inspired by what we're going to get from from Kyrie Irving tomorrow night. All right, well, we'll definitely see with that. Hey, one more before we go to the break here. Um, and I, I see folks lining up, so this is great. We'll, we'll keep going with the calls. Let's go to Stephen Fall River, who uh, he's got a message for Celtics fans who want to break up the Jays. Steve, how you doing? We don't Steve. have Steve. Yeah, that's all right. We can go to some we'll get uh, yeah, let's take a break right now. We'll get to Steve. I see uh, Dan in the car uh, and Nick also in Walpole and want to talk about some key bench guys. I want to get into that, too. Let's get into the weeds. Uh, Celtics beating up on the Nets all is well in Boston sports. Well, unless you're a Red Sox fan. Uh, 617-779-0985. If you want to hop into that queue, Sean Silver, Brian Robb, Tracy Clements, hanging with you this morning on the Sports Hub. Boston's home for sports. 98.5 The Sports Hub. When the games are on, this is where you can talk about them. 98.5 The Sports Hub. 
Pritchard switches to the left hand, Ooh. loses Bruce Brown. Step back three. Oh, Peyton Pritchard, welcome to the big stage. <laughs> New York City. <laughs> Stepped on somebody's grandma's toe then. There's Peyton Pritchard, the apple of many Celtics fans' eyes. For, I mean, and when, yeah, go. Jane said the Celtics are doing well. I hope they win on Monday. Um, when Pritchard came in, I am a loopy, Tracy. I, I, this is most of my life. I, I like spend, that rendition. I spend very one. loopy. Um, when Peyton Pritchard came in last year, thank you. Uh, you know, people were quick to get on his side. Like, oh, who's the kid? You know, they took him. He wasn't a star standout draft pick. He gets in here. He's scrapping. He can shoot the ball a little bit. He's dynamic. And, you know, some people were like, yeah, he's a backup point guard. Like, big deal. And he kind of, you know, fell into his place last year early in the season. I mean, you know this. He and uh, what's his name? Because he doesn't play. He and Neesmith were having trouble hitting <laughs> shots and getting minutes. Yes. And it was all part of the narrative that, you know, Danny Ainge can't draft. You know, we got these guys. They're useless. Peyton Pritchard played his way into a role this year because he can shoot the hell out of the basketball. And they're even sticking him out there with Kyrie. Yes. He was – I mean, you look at the comeback in the fourth quarter game, too. He was front and center there. Huge. And Ime Odoka having the faith with him there. That lineup, it was, I think it was Pritchard, Grant Williams, Tatum, Brown, and Horford mm-hmm. that kind of turned the tide in that game. They'd played together six minutes all year long. Wild. I mean, then, but Ime Odoka says, like, oh, we need shooting. We need to stretch this defense out. Pritchard's the best guy on our bench to do that, along with Grant Williams for the bigs. And you saw him kind of follow that up, pick up where he left off in the second quarter of game three. Eight big points in that quarter, like a couple big threes. And now he's a guy, yeah, you're not going to be able to rely on him for 20, 25 minutes. You're not going to rely on be able to rely on him for 15 points, but – just to, just to give the spark and have the confidence to kind of hit it from anywhere in the floor right now and hold his own defensively, it's, it's a huge part of what this team could become. Interesting to see because now you got a nine-man rotation with, with Rob back, so probably Tice's minutes get dialed back. But, um, yeah, you kind of feel confident with any permutation out there. And you look at the guys, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into this, but, I mean, you mentioned Grant Williams there. Another Danny Ainge draft pick that people were down on. I mean, sure. you, you can make an argument that Grant was on his probably on his way out of the league last year with the with the way that his performance was. Um, the fouling was a huge issue back then. Yeah, and he dedicated himself. He lost the weight. The three point shot has been. He is a confident player now. He 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 looks like he knows that he belongs out there. And it, and this is just I don't know. Pritchard's the same way. You got to be confident as hell to shoot the shots that he shoots. Yep, <laughs> and, and he and he makes them. So I definitely want to get into uh, you know some of the bench guys, some of the support role guys, because they all deserve a shout on a morning like this. We're only going positive. We had, uh, what was that, Frank and Marshfield. He took him a long time, but it's a Sunday morning, and we have converted another believer. He's a believer, and it sounds like Stephen Fall River is a believer as well. I want to thank you, Steve, for, uh, for putting up with us and, and the technical difficulty there. But, hey, the floor is yours. As long as it stays flawless, that's all we ask for. Yeah. So Frank, I don't know if he was if he was one of the people I want to talk about. Yeah. Forget the first guy who who predicted a sweep because guess what he was in the minority. Everybody was screaming, 
that they actually got Brooklyn or somehow played their way into Brooklyn. It was a big mistake. We'll forget about those people. The long haul was I listened to sports radio for a year and a half. These two guys can't work. Get rid of them, get rid of them, break it up, get rid of both of them. They get a lousy attitude. We're talking about Tatum and Brown. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait a minute, the guy's young, 24. I called a few times. I normally call about the Patriots. I said, we had Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. And Danny Ainge came here and said, I don't like them. Instead of saying they need somebody else, they need a third body. They went to the conference finals with Rodney Rogers. At least you got to give the Celtics credit where they, I, I guess they drowned all this nonsense out mm-hmm. and they stayed patient and they found people to bring in to fit this role. I guess we didn't really see it till January this year, but I want to know about the Celtics, and I don't watch a lot of games, but I want to hear from the people that were on that side. Get rid of them. Break it up. Their patience had run out. They're not going to work. They're, they're going to their next venture. They're calling Kyrie. They're, they're going to a dream team center. We can't re-sign them. I want to hear from these people. I want to know why they were so quick when these guys are under 25 years old. And, I, and if they're so dedicated a fan, I want to hear from these people. And some of talk show talk show hosts who are fan in that flame. I want to hear from these people right now. My mind's not made up. I've got to see the rest of the playoffs. And it doesn't have to be made up. They're 24 and under. They got a year or two to coalesce, and if they're already making this progress now, what what can you do? It's not bad. That's what I want to hear from. The All right, Stephen Fall River laying down the gauntlet. Good call. I mean, you know, B Rob, you're not one of those people, certainly. But I, I think, for, and and I'm not either. I mean, you know, I I am definitely an anti-take kind of guy. I. You know, I'm not raising the bar or anything with with anything I'm doing in my fill-in <laughs> come roles on, come on. or whatever. But I, I, I think my my whole approach is, like, where do we want to go and how are we going to get there and why is it working or why isn't it working? So any conversation that I might have had about, say, like, all right, well, you've got two young guys and, yeah, technically they're trade chips, you know, like, what would you do differently? And I entertained, like, okay, maybe – you get Carl Anthony Towns because I love the fit of, you know, this this dynamic big man alongside a dynamic wing. Maybe the, you know, having two dominant wings isn't the model per se and maybe that's why, you know, it was it was convenient like talking point for people. But uh, you know, I I don't I don't think that either of us necessarily said they got to break them up, but uh it is it is wild to see like how how bright that fire burned. For, for a couple of years there. Oh, yeah. Because just the number of names. I mean, you mentioned one, obviously, with Towns, like yep. James Harden. Like, yeah. I was like, got to do that. Got to like, do, do it. That. I mean, the Bradley Beal stuff has been around for forever now, it seems like. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, I don't know whether it's the people who are in a rush to break them up just like forgot about like what they, I think that like the age standpoint and forgetting about what they've done together so far in the postseason. Like, few players in the NBA when you go to the playoffs are able to like match their like regular season stats or like their efficiency in on that regular stage. Yeah. But if you look at what Tatum and Brown have, have done, it's, it's pretty close, which is for them at that age to do that um, against the, the level of competition they saw in like in 2018 and, and 2020 again. Um, it, it stood out. It clearly stood out to Brad Stevens. Cause once he took this job over from Danny age, his first 
land was like, okay, I got to get all the guys that fit as well as possible around these guys. We have to, you know, figure out how this works when we actually have the right guys around them. And clearly he's may have done it here faster than anyone could have imagined, but that's there. They've gone a long way towards doing that. Yeah. He was very aggressive last summer and that's something that I liked. I mean, he got, he got the Horford deal done right before the playoffs were out. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, know June and uh, Udoka was hired quickly. There was something else he did rather quickly. I, I feel like, but maybe I'm blanking on that, but, um, you know, you can sit around and say, oh, these guys have three, four years left in their contract. Oh, gosh, you know, when are they going to start wanting to get out of here? Or you can actually do something about it and try and do the thing that everybody has been talking about as, well, there's this model, which is to stay the course and build around your guys that you got now. Or there's the go out and get the sexy thing on the curb sort of thing. That sounds kind of halfway indecent, but <laughs> either way. Uh, you know, and that's what Stevens went with. And just kind of everything that he has done has, you know, lent to that approach. Like the Derek White at the trade deadline, getting Tice back, getting Horford back, as as we mentioned. Um, Extending Marcus Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Doubling down on Marcus Smart and Rob. Sure. You know, like just it it's all there and it may not work. And then maybe we're having another conversation yep. again in three weeks or a month or, you know, over the summer about why it didn't work and what they need to do next and what's the next sexy thing out on the curb that he can go pick up. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, I do want to get we, – we started this segment talking about Pritchard. I do want to get to Dan in the car uh, who's got a, a take on uh, Peyton Pritchard. Thank you for holding, Dan. How you doing this morning? Uh, great. I, you guys couldn't have set up what I wanted to talk about better. Yeah. Um, I really think the first three games here have really been sort of a case study on the concept of rosters and roles in an NBA uh, environment. And, you know, if we go back over the last couple of years, and you guys touched on it as you came out of the break, you know, 14, 15 months ago, green teamers were talking about the steal of the draft. If Danny would play him more, he could be the rookie of the year. Danny stole at the bottom of the first round a, a multi-year all-star. and Everybody was talking about Peyton Pritchard. And I think, you know, it was mind-numbing because I think many people who really understand NBA rosters and the way that it works know that if Peyton Pritchard is playing that kind of role on your team, you're Charlotte or you're Washington. But if Peyton Pritchard, you know, and there's dozens of guys in the league like him, can play a six- to eight-minute role, can be your ninth or tenth guy, can come in and fill a spot and really play that role consistently, now you've got the makings of a phenomenal roster. Now you're, an, now you're a championship-caliber quality, quality, team. And if you take a look at the last three, three games, Pritchard has played that role perfectly. And if you just take a look at the contribution he's made, at the, you know, he's not the number one or number two guy you talk about, but at the end of each one of those games, he's given you eight to ten points. He's played a really significant role and served as a spark plug. And this is where rosters and roles, I think, are just so important. And I kind of call it the Peyton Pritchard principle. I mean, if, if you want to be Charlotte or you want to be Orlando, he's a 30-minute guy and he's giving you 28 points. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a championship quality team, he's a 6- to 8-minute guy that can give you 10 minutes, 10 points when you need it. Excellent point, Dan. And, yeah, I mean, there may be a point where we see Peyton Pritchard depart Boston, uh, a la Terry Rozier, for a bigger opportunity somewhere. Uh, but at least right now, while he's young, while he's cost-controlled, and you know, while he's doing the things that he does on the court, he fills that role perfectly. The PPP, Peyton Pritchard principal. The triple P. Let's get to Nick and Walpole as uh, we're a little late getting to break here. But uh, Nick, Nick's on this topic as well. So, Nick, how you doing? What's up, guys? How are you? Doing great. How are Good. you? Good, thanks. So, yeah, I wanted to say real quick, 
there was one point in the game last night they put up a stat where the Nets bench had like two points and they were I don't know how many minutes into the game and the Celtics bench had you know so many more and I think it just goes to show how deep the Celtics team is compared to the Nets bench that just kind of stinks they really don't have a deep team like we do and I think as long as Grant Williams and Pritchard and even guys like Derek White continue to just fill the role that they've been filling. Uh, I think this team can go a pretty long way. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Thanks, guys. Interesting point there. He brought up Derek White. I'm going to ask you this one, B-Rob. Do you think, do you expect more out of Derek White and do you think they need more out of Derek White from a numbers perspective? I know that, like, he at one point was just grabbing all kinds of rebounds last night. And it's like, that's nice. That's what a bench player does. But Derek White doesn't make a bench player's salary. No. Instance. And, <laughs> and I think some fans may look at his numbers and say, hey, you know, like, why doesn't Derek White do more? Do they need more out of him? In this series, no. And I think to get to the finals, yes. Yeah. I think he's going to have to give them a bit more offensively to um, handle the likes of, like, the Bucks or the Sixers. Um when they have better defenders for, like, Tatum and Brown in those matchups. And role guys become a little bit more important. But for now, like, if what White's giving you defensively, um, we saw that pass he had for Tatum last night, too, that that full-court Hail Mary. And so, yeah, I think he's probably the one guy who's had an underwhelming series, if you will. But at the same time, he still is – the ability to help you in other parts of the game is crucial for this team. And and that's something where – you, you don't always get that from a bench player, and him being able to give you that is is still big. I'm interested to see, you know, if, if it's Milwaukee, and again, we're kind of assuming it is right now, but, you know, Nick was talking about the bench of Brooklyn just being trash. Well, Milwaukee's got a great bench. Yeah. There's a reason they can weather the storm of a Chris Middleton injury and still blow out the Bulls by 30. Uh, so it, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how those matchups – uh, are going forward. And I think talking about the road ahead is is what I want to get to next uh, here on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Boston's home for sports. 98.5 The Sports Hub. the sports sub we're all kinds of hyped here sean silver brian robb talking celtics the calls have been hot um so we're, we're sticking with that as long as you want to talk seas we will talk seas of course there was a red sox game yesterday which was which was wild um something you don't see all that often your team gets no hit uh but there wasn't an actual decisive it went to extra innings despite the Sox getting no hit through nine uh, then it ended in kind of a weird way in the tent. So hit on that next hour, maybe uh, hit on the Bruins. Also, something to look forward to. I haven't mentioned it yet because we've just been soaking in a green bathtub here. Um, Alex Barth, 98.5thesportshub.com, a guy who's you know busting his hump all the time on the Patriots, will be joining to talk Pat's draft, which is good because uh, I'm a draft dummy. I don't, I'm not really into college football. I don't watch the Combine because I think it's just ridiculous, again, you know, to each his own. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that the NFL draft is very important for a lot of reasons. So I need someone to school me on that. So I'm going to talk to Alex at 1220. Yeah, he's been killing it with the coverage. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, to talk about a guy who's, uh, you know, it's not like he came out of nowhere or anything. Like Alex, is, Alex has been grinding it out for a while. But in the last year or so, 
Um, you know, a guy who's really starting to get some recognition around here. Couldn't happen to a better guy. So we'll talk to Alex. Uh, but in the meantime, Celtics, Nets, uh, hmm, Washington. Oh, wow. We've got a call from Washington State. Let's let's do it. The Pacific Northwest. Ty, welcome to the program. Up How early. Up early listening, Ty. Yeah, oh, gosh, yeah. Yes, I am. Thank, thank you, Sean. Uh, thank you, B-Rob. Big fan of yours for years, B-Rob. And, Sean, I got to tell you, this, this conversation is so refreshing because I am so sick and tired of hot takes on the Celtics. For the last two years, <laughs> and it's just getting. We, we could do a Celtics drinking game, could we? We'd be all drunk if we took a shot for every bad hot take that has been on this team in two years. And one of them has been: Did the Nets win the trade for KG and Paul Pierce? Remember that last year? Mm. Did they win the trade? You guys remember that big hot take? Sure. Well, kind of looking back in retrospect, uh, I really don't think that's the case. What do you think? Oh, good question. Yeah, that's a hard no. That's yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's a real hard. But did but did we have that drilled into our heads last year? How yeah. the Nets had finally won that trade, and that's just one of many hot takes uh, that people have served up to us over the last couple of years. So, I mean, really, I just wanted to tell you how refreshing it is, and not to not to brown nose you guys, but just how refreshing it is to have honest to goodness analysis back on the damn radio. Thank you. You make it worth getting up at 7 a.m. on my coast to listen to you guys. Have a great day. Hey, thanks, Ty. And we'll keep, you know, trying to bring it to you to the best of our ability here. I mean, you know, just to just to kind of disclaimer here, I don't have to do five days a week of radio. No. I get to pinch hit when someone has a baby or someone falls ill or whatever. So I can I've, I'm loaded up with, with all the stuff, all the analysis that I've been saving for my time to come on the radio here. So if I sound a little bit different from what you're hearing uh, the rest of the week, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily better. It just means that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it in, in a slightly different way, and I've had plenty of time to prepare. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was wild last year to hear that, that whole thing kind of crop back up, and it was mixed into the narrative that Danny Ainge can't draft. And, and to be fair – the second guessing was fair at that point, based on whether what the trajectory of this team looked like at this point. Like you had Tatum, you had Brown, but then the the Kemba Walker signing was obviously a disaster. Yep. Um, you know, losing Kyrie Horford, Hayward walking out the door for nothing essentially. Yeah, Evan Fournier was here. That didn't work out. He walked away for essentially nothing too, and so you were left to wonder. You know, Grant Williams had a bad year. There was a lot of things that. That was within the Celtics' control, with beyond their control, that just did not go well last year, which made you wonder, like, how how do they get this back on track? How do things come back together here? And them going back up to that contending level that we saw in 2020, and it took a, a few months. It took, you know, uh, the right coach and the right trade deadline and, you know, the, the maturity of Smart, Brown, and Tatum, but it's it all has come together in a hurry right now. It's not unfair to levy criticism because it was an avalanche of awful and you got to demand some accountability. And, you know, it, like the same thing you just mentioned, having the right coach, like Ime Odoka's first few months here with the Celtics, I don't think that anybody will be writing a book uh, about how great they were. Um, but, you know, at, at least in that chance, it was – in that circumstance, it was the sort of thing where you had to preach patience, like brand-new right. coach and – you know, he's driving at something here. Maybe it'll connect. Maybe it won't. Uh, but we're clearly not where he wants to be. And now they've sort of 
you know, gotten themselves on the road to where he wants to be, and we can see exactly what he envisioned. I want to go back to Ainge, though. Um, you know, I, I said that it's it's okay to, to lob criticism at people when and you know demand accountability when you're not getting results. But I, I think to Ty's point too, I think a lot of people were trying to rewrite history. Yeah. And people saying that like Danny Ainge and I don't know like what your level of intel is and you know everybody was speculating last summer like was he fired? What like no. I think it's fair to say that he had a good run here. All right, they produced a winner at least one year. He had the team in the conversation the other years, and that it had run its course. And yeah, he's working somewhere else now. But it's fine to just leave it alone and say, hey, maybe it wasn't working anymore. Maybe it's time to try something different, as opposed to say, get this guy the hell out of here. I think he was fired. I think he quit and wanted to go to Utah. You know. That way, you're just you're you're writing the story you way you want it to, the way you want it to be written. Exactly, and that's and that's a situation where you know if Ainge still wanted to be here, he would be here right now. Right. But he, again, a lot of things were beyond his control that went against the Celtics. But he did have you know the last couple of years, like from a free agent standpoint and draft log, et cetera, things went against them in a hurry. Right. And it started piling up, and so it was you know he's been doing this for a long time. He stepped away from the table, and now I don't know. He's it must be tough. I mean, I talked to him a couple months ago, and he had really um, impressive things to say about this team and how they were kind of coming together in the middle of this run. But yeah. now you look at where what he has to deal with in Utah. He's got a lot on his plate out there, given how they look in this postseason. What is a huge first round series for them? It'll be fascinating to see how he kind of you know deals with that situation while also comparing to what he left behind here in Boston. Yeah, he's got some work to do, and, but that's the thing. Like, it's a new environment. Yeah. You know, so the same criticisms that were here probably aren't going to be present there, although Utah is, like, sneaky, sneaky, real tough fan base. Oh, yeah. Like, that's all I got out there. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, no yikes. football, no baseball. Jazz is everything. We mentioned the name Danny Ainge, and the Ainge calls come up, so let's get to a couple of them. Let's uh, start with uh, Tarek and uh, Danny's drafting. How you doing? <laughs> Yeah, happy Sunday, fellas. Happy Sunday to you. You know, I, you know, when this is all said and done, you know, if the Celtics make a deep run this year, if they win a chip in the next year or two, you know, Danny's going to have eight or seven of the nine guys that won him a chip drafted by him. By him. Yeah. You know, for to say to say that he couldn't draft is what I think that they're doing is they're conflating that he couldn't wheel and deal anymore. I think he was toothless talking to other GMs just because of the success that he had all the years prior. Guys were basically thinking that no matter how this deal turns out, I'm going to get killed in the press. I'm going to get killed by my owner. Like, we lost this deal. That's how guys approach. Like, I'm not dealing with Danny unless I'm absolutely winning and embarrassing him in this trade. And I, and, and what we do is we conflate that with his drafting ability and say, uh, well, Danny's not a good GM. And I, I, I think he was a great GM when he could wheel and deal. He was great at drafting. He had a heart attack. You know, uh, so he's not grinding like he was. He's not on the phone grinding guys down like he was. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think that, you know, confluence of things, it was time to reset, hit the reset. You know, we say the same thing about Jerry West. Jerry West was with the Lakers, and then all of a sudden it was like, ah, it's not working the way it was. I need a break. I need to get out of here. And he went to Golden State. So Jerry West isn't suddenly trash, you know. Thank you. Right. And then the proof was they won again. He, He put, he got Durant there. You know what I mean? So, you give them an opportunity and teams, you know, other GMs, other teams want to deal with you. They don't feel some sort of way about dealing with you. And that's what Danny saw. They'll deal with Brad. They like Brad. They all like Brad. 
So he's like, I'll step back. I'll go back to Utah, and Brad can keep this shit going. And I think we're seeing that. Nobody's, nobody's refusing to take Brad's call right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not hard to deal with, and he doesn't like – he's not trying to lambaste you with the deal, like with the, the points on the deal to – like he'll lose a few things. Like he – I mean, think about it. He gave up Schroeder. Schroeder's a $20 million, $18 million player, at least in his own mind. Yeah. And he gave him up for a second-round pick or just to clear some room. It really wasn't it, – it's about the, uh, the chemistry of the guys that he knows will work together. And then we'll build around that, you know. Like, there's not a third star coming. I, I, I hate to, to give you guys the, you know, rain on the parade, but there's I'm no okay third superstar. You know, everybody that comes here, if you can't play that defense, you're not coming. I don't care if you're LeBron. Like, it's funny. 22-year-old LeBron could play that defense. But this guy, he's, I don't know, according to uh, Woj, he, he, he walks more than anybody. And he couldn't so, – so it's not about – uh, superstar acquisitions at this point now. It's about plugging in the pieces so that when Jason Tatum sits, the defense doesn't slack off. We'll find scoring, but you guys have to maintain that pressure because it's exhausting the way they play defense. Absolutely. And Brad tried it. Brad tried it, and guys, like, late in the game, all the, sh- all the shots are short, and all, you know, guys are missing assignments because they're exhausted. And for somehow, some reason, I don't know if he threatens them in their sleep, but Eme got them regardless. <laughs> Regardless of their fatigue level, I mean, he's also he's also saying, "I'm watching you, and when you're fatigued, I'll pull you out, I'll rotate you. So just play hard." Kind of like what Brad was doing with the bigs before he left. He said, "You play them for five minutes spurt, seven minutes spurt, but play as hard as you can, and I'll rotate you guys. Don't worry about saving energy. I'll do that." And I think Emay's taking that kind of to the whole squad. So this it's relentless. There's no let up. So it's very interesting to see the way people look at Danny Ainge. Considering you know the evidence is there, the receipts are there. Have a good Sunday, fellas. Tarek, I I do a shirt. Yeah, great call. Have him in. That was a wide ranging call right there. He fit. You know, they say a lot of times when they you uh, you do radio, you have to have the pattern fill. You know, you just got to kind of uh, milk the segments for what they are. He, he fit an entire segment, maybe an hour's worth of Celtics talk into a three minute call. Right just there. get out of the way. <laughs> just let him go. <laughs> that was fantastic. But yeah, to the point. You know, it's it's uh, it's okay, you know, to say that things weren't working with Danny Ainge and and that maybe it was time for for things to change. It doesn't dent his legacy in any way for what he actually did for the Celtics, which I think was largely positive. Wait until Brad Stevens starts "quote unquote" winning those trades, and then we'll see how friendly uh, those conversations are <laughs> with rival GMs. Very interesting. Uh, let's do Lewis in Rhode Island. You got a you got an age comment for us as well. Yeah, I got a couple, one or two comments, and yeah. I'll let you kind of hang up. I'll let you guys talk. Uh, yeah, Danny Ainge, uh, going back when uh, he made uh, the trade there for Kyrie Irving and uh, and then Hayward, of course, uh, and now that Brown, Tatum, and uh, Smart have uh, come together, do you think, uh, what do you think about uh, them draft picks being made in order to maybe get there a little quicker? Uh, that's all I get to say. Which draft picks? I couldn't quite make out what he was saying with that. A little quicker? A little. Should he have made? Tra- I, we're going we're gonna to have to take a, a mulligan on that, that yeah, question, let's, I think. Let's, <laughs> let's take this offline. 617-779-0985. Sean Silver, Brian Robb, hanging out with you, talking C's, basking in the glow of a, a 3-0 lead. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. It might not uh, go all the way. I see uh, JP and MP lining up on the too so uh we'll get to him as we continue this conversation here on 98 by the sports hub boston
Home for Sports, 98.5 The Sports Hub.